0: dog mentors. I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we know that great leaders have great mentors. And today we are joined from down under by Craig John, leadership expert, speaker, and CEO of Speakers Institute Corporate.
1: On this show, you are going to learn how to connect better with others by becoming a better coach. You will learn that pushing yourself, but never forgetting about recovery is the key to grow into your potential. And this entire episode is all about resilience. Here we go.
0: All right, Craig Johns. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for getting up so early. I uh, All the way on the other side of the world, I hope you've had your coffee. Craig is the CEO of Speakers Institute Corporate, a podcaster, a uh, TED Talk extraordinaire. And we are so happy to have you on the show today, Craig. How are you doing?
2: Uh, it's a real pleasure, Jillian Jimmy. Lovely to, to be here. And I just love connecting with people in different parts of the world.
0: Well, uh, Wonderful. Craig...
2: Craig, you have, a, you have an
1: unexpected connection because our producer resides in the Philippines and uh, I believe you all had a tough game in the last 24 hours against the Philippines in the World
2: Cup. So you're, you're making connections you didn't even know. Beautiful. even know what's going to happen on any given day.
0: That's a nice way to put it. That's a nice way to put it. Craig, we are so excited to talk to you about so many things. But first, what we'd love to do is for you to have an opportunity to introduce yourself. So typically uh, we find our guests see mentors as people who believed in them before they believed in themselves. So we'd love to know a little bit more about one of your first mentors and what that mentor saw in you.
2: Ah, beautiful. I feel kind of the biggest mentoring that happened at, at an earlier age, a little bit long, like a couple of years after that was I was a, a pretty good field hockey player and i was captain of the a primary school team the, the provincial team and one day the coaches of that team said to me look we want you to do a whole coaching session for the b team and literally they introduced me handed me like all the kids knew me anyway handed over to me and allowed me to run an hour and a half session as a 12 year old yeah and they just gave me the reins and said look uh, here you go. You've got the session, and to me, I think that is a great way of mentoring in a way where they just go, "Here, we're going to allow you. We trust in you. We believe in you. We back you. We're going to be here to support you if you fail." But they literally allow me to do whatever I like, and, and they were the ones who I said, "Look, can I put? Can you put cones here? Can you put cones there? I want the goal there. Can you sort those two teams up?" Uh, so that was really, really fun, and and I love. I think as a mentor, you yes, you need to guide people in a certain way, but sometimes you just need to throw them in the deep end and go and back them and go you know what you've got this so how did your team do team did really really well they look i mean i was only coaching them for one session we had had good fun the kids had a good time and still remember a couple years later come some of them coming back and say hey we really loved that session and and we love you know what you continue to do now coaching other teams so that opportunity to be there and and learn and have courage under fire i suppose in a way of being thrown in the deep end
1: craig tell me a little bit about the first time when you were in that classroom and you realized that it was very normal to have not the first time you in the classroom but i'm gonna ask a, a first but you're you're in the classroom i'm kind of understanding that it's fairly normal to have you talking to older kids talking to younger kids maybe even circular at times working through problems When was the first time you remember some student, whether older or younger, being like really, really excited that you suddenly had a breakthrough in learning something new?
2: First week of school. I had a very adventurous first week of school. Uh, I won the cross country. I fainted and I got hit in the head by a baseball bat. So I'll go through each one of those and I'll share some really cool instances. So the first one was the first day was the cross country. And I remember clearly Andrew Jenkins, he was a 12 year old so he was one of the older ones in the class and he was there showing us the way around the course because we're running on a farm and so he's the one leading us and just his encouragement and guidance and things like that so i clearly remember that and the way he embraced me afterwards after winning that one i think it was day that I fainted and and so obviously you got every kid around you um but there was there was a couple of girls in there that I remember really supporting me and making sure I was okay and I was just going you know this is really cool you know we got people around you they're young but they they look after you and then on the Friday we I I was a very sporty kid and, and still kind of are in a way I think kid is probably the most important word there um, but very sporty. <laughs> yes. And so we're waiting for the bus. And here I am really eager as the backstop waiting to catch the baseball. Uh, sorry, the softball. We didn't play baseball then. We played softball in New Zealand. And um, I got a bit eager. And next minute, the bat takes me out. And I've still got uh, a nice scar line across the top of my eyebrow. Um, but they they protected me, make, made sure that I was ready for, you know, someone called because there were no teachers around, called my mum, And, you know, make sure they looked after me, missed the bus um, so that I could be safe and, and get off to the hospital. So yeah, that that was where I got to see firsthand in that first week, what it was really like to have that support of people who are older than you, that can kind of look after you.
0: And Craig, it sounds like you really, I mean, it sounds like you really had to take a leadership role. I'm, I grew up in downtown Chicago. I live in New York city. So the concept of such a tiny school, it, it sounds like real human resources, right? Like each human had to have actual like resourcefulness to be able to like pass on to the naked. But was that a time where you were really taking a leadership role that you sp- felt like that was um, something that you really thrived in? And did you kind of enjoy taking that leadership role?
2: I love asking this question to people, were you a leader or a follower? Um, For me, I was definitely a leader. It just something that came naturally. It seemed like every sports team I was in, I ended up being the captain, um, things like that naturally. I think some of it was down to probably the way the dedication, the devotion I put into trying to strive for perfection, but knowing there was nothing perfect. And I think that there was... Yeah, something that stood out for me as a leader was just, yeah, just for whatever reason, I loved encouraging people. I love trying to bring people along a journey, support them, no matter what was happening or ha- how much talent they had in, in whatever we we're doing or what they were contributing to. It was just, you know, how can we encourage them or how can we support them to be better? Because in a team environment, you know that we're going to end up being better off if everyone else is lifting their game. So
1: Craig I, I, as somebody who's who obviously had a lot of success by being devoted to your craft and you know continuing to work on things as a business owner, when uh, you know perfection doesn't exist but you like to strive for it, that means you're working a whole lot and you are out there to help others, you know kind of continue to grow to their potential uh, with your business. How do you balance your own kind of speaking or the messaging that you try to bring? Uh, when you're in front of others, while also, you know, not pushing yourself too far in your own uh, position and not trying to tell others to, you know, work until they're ground to a dust.
2: Yeah, I I think the greatest lesson a leader can ever learn is that when you go into a meeting that you talk less than 10% of the time. And I think, you know, your ability to ask... I'm not
0: very good at that.
2: (laughs) Your ability to ask questions, your your ability to to lean in and really listen, I, I think, is absolutely critical as a as a leader. If we look at the greatest leaders we've kind of ever seen, and we kind of, I, I suppose, are inspired by, or, or kind of go, "Wow, that's quite amazing!" the the charisma they show. A lot of the time, they say very little, but when they do speak, everyone sits up and listen. And so I think that's so important as a leader, especially those that are shifting from being a technician, like a lot of people will come through their career, they'll be trained, they'll train themselves in something or be trained in a specific area, they'll work at their craft, they get really, really good at doing what they do, you know, maybe it's a, they're a coder or something like that, or or maybe they are a machine engineer. Uh, whatever it could be and then one day someone taps them on the shoulder and goes oh by the way next week you're leading people and they go "Well, what happened here so they kind of a lot of them will go into a space of either going oh this is too hard and they kind of hide or they go into a space where they try and show that they already know everything they've got everything together they know how to lead a team and so very few people kind of sit in that middle where you realize you know what the your leadership capability is about drawing the best out of everyone else And the collective worth of everyone is more important than your self-worth when it comes to leading.
1: Yeah. I I love it. Especially that quote about, you know, don't be ruthless, don't be reckless, you know, but how to be relentless. But uh, as I cut Julie off here, it's because I couldn't help myself, but then ask, how can you, how can you be relentless yet satisfied each night? Like, how do you find some level of contentment, even when you want to have that kind of level of drive to... You know continue to be this person at sport to continue to be this leader in business to continue to be a speaker literally in front of others how do you balance that
2: good question and, and you know you brought up there about re- being relentless without being ruthless or reckless and that came about from a question of what does it actually mean to be a high-performing leader or and, and lead high-performing teams and a lot of the time i see a lot of fluffy stuff out there and it's all kind of cotton and roses. And I'm like, well... Yeah, Greg,
1: just, just tell me what fluffy stuff means. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, we, we all know when we see it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and sometimes a bit fluffy. And, and, and parts of it are, are right, but they kind of miss that. You know, leading isn't always a bit of roses. It gets messy a little bit, um, but you need a drive. Like you can't just try and make everything kind of nice and happy. And uh, it doesn't like... Great things don't actually happen in that way. And so, you know, you need confrontation, you need tension, you need... You know, people that are driven. You need people that are supporters. You you need a range of different things. But how do you muster that? How do you look after that? And so, for me, when I looked at some uh, like a lot of leaders around the world, you know, there are some that do this really well, where they are relentless in their pursuit of excellence and something, and you can see that. And and all high performers have that in a way. But then there are those that are ruthless who kind of do it without with a bit of a disregard on how that affects other people or even Mm. themselves as a human being. So relentless is a um sorry ruthless is around taking no prisoners in a way and so how can you try and avoid collateral damage to either someone else or yourself and then being reckless is obviously careless of the consequences so you're like you're willing to take risks which we all need to do but you you kind of any risk you'll take and you don't really care what happens and so my question was, can, you know, we've seen some phenomenal leaders are, who achieved great things and I admire them for what they've achieved, but have I admired them for the way they've gone about it? Not so sure. And so I think anyone can be an outstanding leader who can achieve excellence by being relentless without being ruthless or reckless. And,
0: and Craig, I think one of the things I was really interested in talking to you a, a bit about was, you know, this idea of working 80 hours a week and maybe it's sort of like a ruthlessness on yourself. Um... When, you know, you have that drive, right? And I think I know at least Jimmy and I both as, you know, sort of leaders and business owners, you do just continue to have that focus. Was there a moment for you when you saw uh, that kind of turning onto yourself that felt like a bit of a, a change for you or a bit of a wake up call maybe?
2: I moved to Thailand in 2012, had probably the most incredible job where I was we were building the world's first integrated sport mind health education hospitality for not only people that live there uh not only high performing people but also everyday people could come along so you you had lots of different um, things happening from a sport perspective you had from a complete beginner someone losing weight right through to formula one drivers like jensen button or maria Sharapova. Or some of the world's fast um, world champion and world record holder swimmers and Olympic champions, etc. would all be training there from a mind sort of thing. We did everything from a one hour consultation for either sports psychology or maybe even counseling through to two months silent retreat uh, and dealing with the Dalai Lama Mind and Life Institute. Then you've got health, where we were dealing everything from general health right through to sport medicine to. World-leading stem cell generation, multiple <laughs> multiple yeah. things going on, just just phenomenal. <laughs> and then the school was the a world leader in uh, emotional, uh, social and emotional learning, and so very very clever. And so my job was to come through as two ICs to integrate those. Now all my passions, I'm probably in the healthiest place on the planet, um, and I was loving everything I was doing. So you can imagine every conversation, every text message, every email, everything I was writing was something different and it was changing really, really fast. Now, I was loving it. It's good fun. I was working 70 to 80 hours a week and I yeah. went 302 days straight without having a day off. Wow. Uh, and because I, not because I was concerned about my performance. It was just because I loved everything I did and probably loved it too much, to be really, really honest, which may have affected me in some other ways sometimes where I would take too much ownership of something and too much responsibility, but that's another <laughs> another thing. And yeah, so I was loving every minute of the day and then I flatlined, and so I, I spent my third time in intensive care, you know, for a couple of weeks.
1: What, what, what happened, Craig, can you explain a little more if you're okay sharing, like?
2: Yeah, sure, sure. I uh, so that was a bit of a- day
1: day 303?
2: Um, yeah. so I, I went to get up in the morning, then I blacked out, obviously um blacked out was there for a couple of minutes my wife had never seen me in this state so the other two episodes happened when i was a lot younger at 16 and 21 and so she is obviously quite distraught and we went off to hospital i was in going into atrial fibrillation i had a a regular heart and my i have a regular heartbeat as well where something happens in my electrical system where for whatever reason it will my heart rate will drop below 40 and hold and so it just causes everything to shut down in a way. It goes in a protective mode. But yeah, this time, normally I could get the atrial fibrillation, which is a, a regular heartbeat you normally associate with older people or people with heart attacks. Yep. And so I've had that episode since I was quite young. Obviously, I didn't think it would really happen in, in the corporate life, but it, mm-hmm. it, but it did. And rather than resetting in a couple of days, you know, three weeks in, and if anyone knows around this, once you get a past day 10 of being in something like atrial fibrillation, you then risk things like stroke, et cetera, and possibly even death because you're not getting enough blood to the brain or uh, oxygen to yeah. the brain um, because of, you know, um, the heart's not beating enough or et cetera. Yeah. And that was a big wake up call for me because I could see how it affected 500 staff. I could see how it affected my family. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't that an invincible kid that I thought I had always been as an athlete. You know, I'll break my arm. No worries. I'll get back up. And, and I'll keep going. I will You'd be told to give up sport and then within a year make two New Zealand teams and you know, field hockey and triathlon. So I was always kind of invincible. But I think, yeah, when you see other people's reactions that are really close to you and how it affects them, that changes your perspective on things. And that was when I realized that I needed to go back and do what I did as an athlete and as a coach really well. And what's interesting and talking about mentor the the ceo who was there robert hock at the time a week earlier had said to me said i don't get it craig you know as an athlete as a coach we admired you for the way that you were able to perform at a really high level you had everything right when it came to stressing the body to be fast but you were really good at recovering but you don't seem to be doing that here in the work and obviously i probably went okay yeah interesting thanks and just keep going, going on with my full-on day, <laughs> and yeah, you know, a week later this happened, and and so putting those two together, I was like, all right, that was when I needed to go back and start scheduling my energy. So thinking about what my my calendar would look like, and rather than just allowing people to fill it up, then. The importance of focusing the energy you know being being able to remove certain things that are not scattered all the time and bouncing it was putting some boundaries around when people could come and talk to me rather than having that beautiful open door policy that everyone talks about yeah it might work sometimes but it's not always vital and then obviously that investing in my energy i know i'd put on 14 kgs in a year and i'm at the healthiest freaking place on the planet so it was about really looking after myself, because you can't lead other people unless you lead yourself first.
1: You got to put on your own oxygen mask. I'm curious, Craig, you already talked about you're going from New Zealand to Thailand, and I know your current business is in multiple countries. Can you talk a little bit about how mentors are able to reach across borders, and maybe how understanding or just if cultural differences create stronger relationships is there a different way of entering into those relationships to make sure everybody feels comfortable and acknowledged, uh- I'd love to hear about that
2: the beautiful thing covid did was open up the world to you know what you can actually have conversations with people in another country it's it's not that difficult you don't need to fly there and so we like i've seen a lot of people start mentoring cross borders and coaching cross borders or interacting cross borders a lot since covid which i think has been really exciting because a lot of people couldn't quite get when i talk about you know you should go and explore the world you should go live in another country because you see the world from a different perspective and now i had the opportunity to hey you know what it's so easy now you can just do it online <laughs> um, <laughs> but understanding the cultural nuances and, and sensitivity and agility is important you don't need to know everything about a culture but i think it is important to understand that when you are uh dealing with yo, know so even americans with canadians right there's a difference in yo know, canadians and from my perspective very laid back kind of crazy along the way americans tend to be a little bit more intense in a way and tend to be yes be gentle and quite <laughs> confident Some people would see it is. but you've got two that, are, that are, are quite different but they live so close together and people go oh north america they're all the same Well, oh, no they're not oh asians they're all the same well No, have you been to asia every country is completely different (laughs) they speak different languages they eat different food but i think having an open mindset is really important and being able to respect the space of understanding and observation and even learning things like you know some cultures it's not appropriate to have full-on eye contact with someone even small things like that can make a difference but i think from a mentoring perspective it is understanding wherever you are, what is, what is it that they're prepared to? What, 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 what permission do they have? What, what boundaries do they want? Where can you go with this? I think just being real clear on that to begin with is important. And if you're curious, no matter what country you're in or who you're dealing with and you ask questions, people will be honest and people will open up and they'll warm to you and you'll get greater permission first before you kind of get into a mentoring position and, and just Reading the space to go, okay. What type of mentoring does this person want, or what relationship does this one? Is it? Is it? Are they going to share lots with you, or are they going to listen to you and provide just little short snippets every now and then along the way?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate that because I can imagine. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, those things like pointing. I know in China we always had to go like this versus like that. You can see, so the whole whole hand. But in terms of You know, you your organization, Speakers Institute Corporate, does so many uh, a wide variety of work. It sounds like coaching. It sounds like um, speaking engagement. Sounds like leadership training. Do you find that leaders would you say like globally leaders are interested in being mentors? Would you say that that is something that uh, you know kind of overall, or would you say maybe there's some cultures that have maybe a bit more of this, you know, directive? Do as I say, not necessarily wanting to like cultivate or what how, how do you see mentoring or maybe it's shifting as well
2: yeah and this is this is a really important point like say in here in New Zealand Australia we can have an open conversation with anyone no matter what level they're at like people are quite open uh, to give you an idea do you know who the all blacks are of course, of course. Yes. okay good
1: all right yes but but it is good for our audience to know uh in your words what are the all blacks all
2: right so the all blacks are the great uh the most winningest sports team over a long period of time of any sport in the world and so um they have the a, best
1: team that's what i just heard they're they're the best team <laughs> they're the best <laughs> they're team actually and best. so they their rugby okay.
2: team they're the national rugby team for new zealand uh, we only have five million people but we you know, consistently beat, you know, the big rugby teams of the world and, and consistently keep doing it, which is quite phenomenal. And we were in New Zealand on holiday and there's a really small little town between Auckland, which is kind of the, the main city. It's not the capital, it's the main city and Hamilton, which is probably the third uh, third or fourth biggest city. And it's about an hour and a half in between. And we stopped off at this little place, um, Pocono, uh, sorry, Mercer. And it's off the side of the road. There's a couple of food outlets there. Um, Famous for Pocono bacon, right? Pocono is a little town and it's the type of bacon and how they cook it. And we walk in there and it's two days after New Zealand beats South Africa. So it's like the biggest rivalry in world rugby. And dad looks at me and I look at dad and I go, yep. And the all black coach is just sitting there with his wife. No one's bothering him. And... He walked up while we were at the counter to grab a drink. And, you know, my dad just said, hey, you know, look, great job on the weekend. I love the way the team are playing. He goes, yeah, thank you. Uh, it was a good win. And then he and we go, look, you know, we're still thinking. And he goes and pays, And as he walked past, he goes, look, I you know, have a nice day, safe travels. It was really nice to meet you. And so you can do that in New Zealand. But if, say, if you're in places like India or China and some other countries in the world, it's very hierarchical. And so when you're mentoring in places that have this value system or this way of being in a way, then you need to realize that a person who may feel like they sit lower in a hierarchy may not be open to mentoring someone higher and, or they may not share everything because of their respect levels of the hierarchy. And so it's, it's not, it's not that they do it wrong. It's just how they do it. And so you need to be able to respect that. And I think that's really important. So when we're looking at leaders around the world, we have to adjust. We have to, We have to understand whether we have the permission. We need to understand what they are willing to be taught on and whether they want to speak first or whether they want to listen first. Are they prepared to be vulnerable in front of other people or individually? Uh, how does that work and so you've got it you can't just apply the same thing every single time when we work with these countries um, so for us the way we work in speakers institute corporate especially when we're doing uh, i'll go into a training program point of view not not coaching because that's individual in most cases or speaking is generally individual sometimes we might do duets but if you're in a training program we always go in i would say 95 percent of the time because there's certain instances where you might have less people and it doesn't require this but we generally train 12 to 18 people. We go on with three facilitators. Now, quite commonly, those five people are from five different countries. And so it means that we can bring different perspectives. Now, why do we do that? Well, one, we need to make sure we are connecting in the right way with the people in that country. We need someone who has real high credibility that they can really lean on for that content. But that third person gives them a global perspective. And we now know that when we're dealing with leaders, that there's very few leaders of companies that are dealing in one country now. They are generally dealing across multiple countries or multiple regions. And so having that perspective to open their eyes up to what might be possible or different ways of doing things is really, really important. And the, the more the further we go in the world over the next few years the more global it's going to be coming and you, you need to have those perspectives and understanding because if you grow up in if i stayed in that small area that i grew up in new zealand i'd be my mindset would be very isolated my perspective on the world would be through a very very small lens and only one You believe
0: only hokey pokey ice cream is the only true ice cream that is worth having
2: well after you know experiencing more than 60 countries in the world and tasting ice cream in every country i will say Mm. that you can't beat a tip-top hokey pokey ice cream it is there's nothing like it in the world hokey pokey is the best Wash hey, it down with
0: an uh, L&B. I'd like to hear a little bit
1: about how you bring together coaches and help them be leaders, specifically about sport coaches. Uh, I've coached sports before. I'll coach sports again. And sometimes sports coaches are known, at least in the U.S. and I think in most countries, to be a bit peculiar. They're going to have their own, you know, habits. And they're not always that willing to share in sport. And then often, you know, a coach that coaches basketball and another coach who focuses on soccer might say, hey, I have nothing to help you with because one uses their hands, one uses their feet. Nothing can actually be shared. How do you help these coaches that are so competitive? actually become better leaders by listening to each other.
2: I remember going across to Australia uh, from New Zealand at about the age of 20. And I went to a swim coaches conference and it was just after, actually it must've been 21. Um, so it's 2001 actually, because it was a year after 2000 Sydney Olympics. And I remember sitting there at this conference and I'm going, wow, these Olympic coaches are laying out their whole entire plan. If they're showing their best training programs with this individual, this is genius. This is amazing. And I'm sitting there going, I can see why they're doing this because they realize that this here is unique to this individual group of people. And two, if they share this with the rest of the world, they're going to be focusing on that while they're already moving ahead. And so (laughs) I always find with the best coaches in the world and best leaders, they are the most curious. They will share their best stuff and they will also seek out other people who they feel are best in practice in different parts of the world. And so my encouragement for people is if you are maybe seen as having good talent as a coach or a leader, is to share and then go seek and never be afraid. Obviously, I have a, a leadership company or, or, you know, Speakers Institute Corporate, which is covers communication, leadership, well-being, client centricity. So I have that. I'm a high-performance leadership expert, but I invite people onto the podcast that have to me are more fascinating than I am. They have more experience than I am. Why? Because I want to share them with the world. You know, some people go, well, why would you put them on there? Because you expose your network to to them and they may go buy their services. And I'm like, well, if people uh, find them interesting and they use those services, that's awesome. I'm okay with that. But I also know that I will get greater respect by from people by being able to have that awareness and be open-minded. And having that growth mindset don't ever hide your best stuff actually give away your best stuff because it will fuel the fire in your ability to be better tomorrow because now you know people Always. Are what you're doing
0: yeah and, and not having the scarcity you know i think when you operate from a scarcity mentality and i think especially in the leadership coaching and training everything is evolving and also there is no one right answer obviously clearly because we're so it, we're also individual and we've done now i don't know about 90 conversations around mentoring and many conversations around leadership and It's amazing how many times we don't hear the same thing (laughs) and we always hear a new perspective. So I think having that opportunity to get those diverse voices and, you know, allowing people that opportunity to pick up what they need to hear um, and take it with them and continue to grow so also yes absolutely uh, you do have a phenomenal podcast I got a chance to listen to quite a few episodes and one of my favorites is when you discuss the benefits of having uh, both male and female co-founders in an organization you had a chat uh, around that that I was listening to uh, that definitely resonated but I think you know hearing a lot about sort of that global perspective keeping that in mind and then how to really listen to your body I mean that sounds like a lot of what you were talking about you know if you have that drive, that is amazing, that is wonderful, but really making sure you're able to manage it in a sustainable way so that you're able to continue to make an impact far beyond you know, sort of that, that sprint. So yeah, this has been a great conversation. Jimmy, do you have any other questions? I have one I kind of quick mind. one
1: and then I have my kind of wrap up. Oh, we hear a lot of people who are leaders or, or young professionals who wanna become leaders and they don't actually wanna be in front of people, whether that's in the moment, talking or whether that's just being present and i guess what i mean like they don't want the synchronous leadership they want to be on social or whatever else or via email and so what that really means they're scared to present they're scared to be in the moment what's the worst advice you've ever received to give a presentation for a hundred or a thousand people
2: don't look at anyone look above them
1: (laughs) okay (laughs) So uh,
2: I'm, trying to,
1: I'm trying to find my ceiling here. Uh, where, <laughs> What is actually some advice you give for folks to be in the moment and be comfortable being synchronous as a leader?
2: Yeah, <laughs> really good. In most cases, what we see with people is they are too focused on themselves. How do I look? What am I saying? What do people think of me? What if I get this wrong? Mm. Everything's about me, me, me. When it's about you, you actually don't lead in an effective manner. You don't connect with people and it doesn't land very, very well. When you shift your mindset, and by the way, everyone is a leader. You either lead people up the right path or you lead them down the wrong garden path or to somewhere. So everyone is leading and you have influence. And by the way, 99% of the people you you actually influence and lead, you probably will never, ever meet. So you are always being watched. You are always- Shadow mentor leadership space you're always mentoring but you don't realize you're doing it and so realize that but when you can shift from that thinking about you and how you're performing to shifting it to the audience or the people you have in front of you like the audience if it's keynoting if you are leading people or you're leading family if you shift that onto you to thinking about what is holding you back and how can i help so that is the intention i have in every conversation I have. I don't specifically say it. I don't specifically have to tell myself that every time, but that is the intention I naturally will fall into. And the great leaders will be in that type of mindset. What is holding you back and how can I help? And when you shift to that intention of helping someone else and it being about them, then you'll actually naturally move into a leadership position of authenticity, of influence, I've been able to um, connect with people, build that rapport and that relationship with people. People don't connect with people that are self, it's not self-conscious, it's self-centered in a way. So we do need to be a bit selfish. We, we do need to focus on ourselves. Yes, that's important, but we don't want to be self-centered where everything is focused around how you're performing. Shift it to the other people and then you'll see a great shift in the way that you are able to, to work and manage people. And you're having a six month baby girl teaches me that every single day. It, it's a great reminder where I'm trying to work as we work from home and I'm trying to get stuff done. But in that moment, I really need to help that human being, because they're the future of the world.
1: I love it here, here, Craig. I have a very brief rapid fire word association. I have just a handful of words, or as I've learned a fistful of words. So first, if I say the word mentor, what would you say? What comes to mind?
2: Guiding someone.
1: How about the word mentee?
2: Open-minded.
1: All right. And the word sponsor?
2: Support someone to achieve something.
1: I like it. Support to achieve. And second to last, coach?
2: Ask questions and listen with intention.
1: Okay. And the last one's going to be tough. But when I say the word culture, what immediately comes to mind?
2: Your way yeah. of being.
1: I love it. Like, th- this was I thought wonderful. you were
2: going to say club. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe I'm the it's oldest so person on this call. <laughs> Jimmy's never asked that before.
1: <laughs> the culture. Yeah. We're working on some new questions. Craig, I have a lot more I want to ask you, but that, that was really great. Uh, that was super fun. Thank you
2: uh thanks thanks for for a great conversation and and really really enjoyed your your thoughtful questions and having fun you know i think too really if when it comes to mentoring or it comes to leading enjoy it have fun people like to smile people like to enjoy what they do yes there's going to be the hard times the difficult conversations um but separate the problem from the person and then find a way to enjoy and have a good laugh
0: that's what we're here for that's what we're here for Craig, it was great to meet you thank you so much Well, Jimmy, I feel like I should go out and play rugby right now. What do you think? Do you think I'd be good at that?
1: I would not pay to watch that. And I think an ambulance should be available, or at least a gurney. I, know for I, do, me-
0: need, I do need my ACLs.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you, you won't have him after rugby. I know for me, I would not want to play rugby and instead I think Craig is in a much much better position to uh carry the kind of rugby, you know, mantle for Augmenters.
0: Definitely. Definitely we give him we give him the credit and the credentials for that. But I thought Craig brought so many interesting points and one of the things I was really excited about having him on the show was obviously his global perspective, growing up in New Zealand and being in such a tiny mm-hmm. little you know town and, and his ability to be such an incredible athlete in New Zealand. Then, come, of course, coming to Australia, working around the world, working across borders with different teams, which I know having lived in China, it is really important to understand where people are coming from, especially if you're going to be mentoring them. So I thought he had some really interesting perspectives there.
1: One thing you touched on that kind of blew my mind as we talked about it more afterwards was how global Craig's view is these days and what his business is doing, as you said, reaching across borders. Yet he did grow up in, I'm not going to say myopic, but in a small, very rural, not necessarily connected place. So 28 kind of,
0: kids in the whole schoolhouse? 28,
1: imagine. I can't. I think there's, there's 28 kids like on my block. It, it's crazy. And uh, it's, it's just really great to be able to see from Craig's own resilience and his career arc, his health arc, that, you know, it's not really where you start. It's uh, where you want to go. And he obviously had this drive within him that wasn't going to let him stop until he really improved and increased his reach. Like he's, he's there to help others.
0: Totally, totally. And I think thinking about his initial, like early growing up and then his, of course, resilience when it comes to sports and then his resilience in traveling. And then of course his health resilience, as we talked about quite a bit in the podcast. And now as you know, his resilience as a new parent, because that also requires a lot of resilience that we don't always give enough credit to. Amen to that.
1: Now, unlike Craig, I do not have quotes from you that I keep with myself to become more resilient as a parent. But I I thought it was really touching and meaningful that even in Craig's international journey, He had people ready to talk about. He had names and what he thinks about and associates with each of those people. Like uh, Aaron Gray, he always thinks about Aaron, about get back on the bike, keep on rolling. Or Sam Cawthorn, this is my favorite quote, uh, was, be faithful with the small and the big will come.
0: Mm, One thing at a time.
1: Just keep on rolling. Step by step. Mm hmm. And... Craig does an excellent job of showing us that if you if you keep doing little things right, the big will come and if you keep you know treating people with respect by sharing yourself first, then you will have the opportunity after building that relationship to actually seek how to help others and uh, I think Craig can help a lot of people
0: uh well, he definitely helped us it was a super fun conversation. I can't wait for my next trip to eat hokey pokey ice cream because it is pretty fabulous and it was great to spend time with craig and we're excited to keep track see what he's up to
1: thank you craig augmenters out augmenters out
0: wow you've made it this far and we thank you hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships want to tell him more jimmy
1: be an augmenter with us Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us. Or on social with our handle at augmentershq. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out and earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out.
0: See ya.